This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You know what? We are Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, ESPNU. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Hello, Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. That moment on our show is an underrated, unsportsmanlike moment totally. of all time in our four months on this show. That was so dumb by such a smart guy. Well, did you hear me? I go, wow, I didn't realize it either. What? I, I'm not used to us having a television component. He's, that was what? early in the show. But Adam Wainwright was at an airport. He saw himself on the, on TV randomly, and he didn't realize that was him on our show <laughs> as he was on the show. Well, because right, when it's I re- an underrated dumb moment on this show. Well, when I reached out wow. to get him on, I said ESPN Radio. So he probably wasn't thinking, oh, they're also on television. We've had a lot of dumb moments that we take pride in. I don't think we talk about that one enough. That's all I'm saying. That is all I'm saying. I don't that think we don't... it was dumb. I think we just, he had some that's awareness. Really har- that's really harsh by you. Yeah, Evan. come on. Oh, don't talk about me? my guy really like harsh. that. I'm saying it lovingly. Come on. Unlike- no, that doesn't sound lovingly. You mm. can't lovingly call somebody dumb. You know what else doesn't sound lovingly? Cece, would you uh, read a text message from a friend you got, um, if you're willing here? I don't want to get into your private phone messages, but you did share with me. Um, I would like you to read it to the world here. What a friend of yours reached out to just say to you. Yeah, so my boy Joe, who does Steve Smith's podcast, just texted me a picture of Curve Cologne, and he said, I would have to fight you if you said I look like I wear Curve right now. Like he said, I would have to fight you, which just reinforces the fact that it was a sneak diss by Smalls to say that you look like you wear curves still. Can we get some justice for me here? No, at- no there just, is no justice, just Smalls. You can't justify you it. Me. It's fine. Here's why I went there with Evan. Evan loves things from the 90s. Evan loves 90210. That's kind of his era. So when he said he had By the way, it- Ian Zeering, I have your back. If you need me to fly to California and get those bikers, I don't. I can't actually do anything. But did you see that? A, a, no. An attack on him out of Ian Zeering? No. I, I'm not... I don't have a Google alert up for him. I, I didn't realize that he was in some distress. <laughs> Great guy. But see, isn't you guys, that comment right there just made my entire point. Evan said he hadn't worn cologne in 15 or 20 years. So, of course, I thought when he ordered it, he would go back to the 90s hit, which was Curve for Men. That's fair. Yeah, but you're saying That's I'm a loser. Fair. Just say it. I'm not saying you're a loser. It's I'm okay. saying you, I'm not going to be a You love the 90s. Okay. Do you not? Yeah, I mean, don't mo- Cece, you don't? You don't love the era that you grew up in? Can we be I clear love the real 90s. quick? That doesn't mean I still have to wear the cologne. <laughs> I, I, I can settle with just listening to the music and watching the movies. Look, I'm, I'm I don't good. I don't want to be that guy, but the we know the 90s weren't 10 to 15 years ago, right? Because we keep yes, saying we 10 to 15 it. years ago no, and bringing up the 25, 90s. 25 years ago, yeah. The, the right. 90s were a lot, a long time ago, guys. All right, young mm. Pat. Sorry. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, great. It must be nice to be young. Yeah, Pat likes to remind us how young he is. Great. Cool. You're really young. I was born 10 to 15 years ago. <laughs> he's, still not, <laughs> he's not certain when he was actually born. Uh, speaking oh of God. losers, the number two pick in the draft, uh, we have, we've talked about the idea that, okay, it's Caleb Williams and Drake May. CeCe, as we look ahead to this weekend in the NFL, Week 18, we're going to have a ton of backup quarterbacks playing this weekend. We have teams like Washington, like New England, like Arizona, like the Giants, maybe even the Chargers. I don't know if they can get the number two. They don't have to worry about a quarterback position. But you get what I'm saying. Titans that are all kind of hovering around the top five in the draft. Yeah. Are we wrong to focus on top two versus top three or four now, considering Jaden Daniels, Heisman winner of LSU, and the way that Michael Penix played over the weekend and could play on Monday night? Should we stop making this a two-person draft here? Well, yeah, I think we, we're at that point now, just because when you listen to Jordan Reed and Mel Kuyper Jr., both of them say Jaden Daniels, Heisman Trophy winner, is in the mix to be the number one overall pick. Now, I, I don't foresee Chicago passing on the promise of Caleb Williams, but Jaden Daniels' athletic ability and arm talent – 
aren't to be ignored. And then, of course, Drake May is viewed as a really good prospect as well. So I think there are three quarterbacks at the top of this year's draft. Wouldn't be surprised if all three come off with the first three picks. And so I think any team that's within striking distance has to merit consideration for taking one of those three signal callers, which is why Week 18 is fascinating because as a Giants fan, I'm rooting for the Washington Commanders to upset the Dallas Cowboys. I'm rooting for the Patriots to do what they always do against the Jets and for the Arizona Cardinals to beat the Seahawks with the hopes that my Giants can move up without having to mortgage future draft picks in order to take another quarterback. So, yeah, I, I'm fascinated in watching Week 18 from those pros, from that perspective and seeing which teams can jockey to be in position to take one of these game-changing franchise quarterbacks. Even though the the crop is widening of guys that we consider to be first-round quarterbacks, I still think there's a race for number two because how many of these guys actually hit? Even if we have five, six guys that we think will go in the first round that are quarterbacks, we know it's a coin flip for all of them. So if you're Washington, if you're New England, you know, let's just assume that Caleb Williams is going to Chicago and take him off the board. There's going to be certain guys that you rate above one another. And so I think even though there's more guys in the mix, it's still imperative for some of these teams that they secure that number two overall pick so that they have their pick of the litter. Right, they have their pick, but... Are we sure that it's going to be the right pick? Well, that's up to their evaluation of these prospects. Right, but I'm saying all year we had the Caleb Williams-Drake May. And if you look at it, and I'm not going to sit here and act like I've watched every snap that Drake May has played in, in college football. I just haven't. But, like, if you look at the stage in which Michael Penix is doing this on, how am I not, as a fan and a fan of New England or fan of football in general, how am I not sitting here just amazed at this guy? And I'm not normally a lefty quarterback guy. I just don't like the lefty quarterback as much. Um, I don't. I'm sorry. What? I don't. <laughs> what did Steve Young ever do to well, you, man? No, no, no. The current version of it, right? Since since Vic, how many lefty quarterbacks have been that great? How many lefty quarterbacks have been in the league? I don't like the lefty quarterback, but Penix feels well, different. What do you have against lefty quarterbacks? Right? I did, it looks wrong to me. The whole thing looks wrong. So it's, it's just aesthetically It you don't feels like, like it. the ball is coming out the wrong way. It feels like it screws up the protection because you're, the right tackle becomes a left tackle and vice versa. What did Tua do to you? <laughs> He's a nice guy. I think he is, actually. I just don't like the lefty quarterback. <laughs> I'm not a lefty quarterback guy, but Michael Penix Jr. feels different to me. And if you look at the level of accomplishments, and maybe this doesn't matter at all but the level of accomplishment of Jaden Daniels and Michael Penix Jr. is so much greater than that of Drake May like if you look at these four quarterbacks again this may not matter in the pros of who's accomplished the most in college Drake May is fourth by a mile it's not close and so I don't know that it's as obvious as it once was so when people are saying oh that you know Washington has to lose this weekend or New England has to lose this weekend like Maybe they don't because maybe if they just go out and try to get their fifth win and they're not the second pick, they still may end up with a great player at quarterback. Yeah, but I hear what your argument is, but Baker Mayfield was more accomplished than Josh Allen in college, and there's no comparison to what they are as pro quarterbacks. So I think you have to take that with a grain of salt. The context around everything matters, and Michael Penix Jr. is putting together a season for the ages. The biggest knock on him was the injuries, and he seemed to be able to put that past him this year, and – He's playing well. He's playing outside of his mind. I mean, he's got a lot of talent around him, but he's taking full advantage of it. Like I said, in watching that game on Monday, the dude only missed one throw. He was 29 of 38, 430 yards and a couple of touchdowns. He only missed one throw. And he came right back on the very next throw and threw a dime for a touchdown. So 
I mean, yeah, he's a really special talent, but I think when it comes to the measurables, the injury history, all of that gets factored into the math on whether or not you think a guy is going to pan out. And that's why I think the Drake Mays of the world and Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels get pushed in front of Penix Jr. But he's going to make it interesting, and he still has more runway to make the case with the national title game this coming Monday. Yeah, team success is certainly something that you look at. But, Evan, I'll go to your team. You know who had a lot of success in college? Mac Jones. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. So the success that we're looking at, I like the quarterback that overcomes something in college, right? Penix Jr. was at Indiana, wasn't a highly t- uh, sought-after guy, overcame kind of the transfer and having to go somewhere else. Jaden Daniels, same kind of thing. Uh, Caleb, Caleb Williams is a different character, obviously, altogether. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was nothing at Ohio State, went to LSU and became something. Josh Allen, I'm not a, a, the biggest Josh Allen guy, but came out of Wyoming. Right. Jalen Hurts was the starting quarterback of a championship-caliber team, gets benched, has to transfer to Oklahoma. If you look at some of these successful guys in the NFL, there was Brady is an amazing example of that, obviously. Now, of course, there's exceptions to the rule. There was nothing really that Peyton Manning had to overcome, right? There's nothing that, that Caleb Williams I don't look at that has to overcome, even though he transferred. He transferred because he wanted to be with the head coach. I kind of like the stories of Penix, of, of Jaden Daniels here, that maybe there is a little bit of a closer gap than we realized initially with these guys. So let's go back to Mac Jones. Do you think it was too easy for him? I don't think any of this is ever easy. I don't want to come off as saying that. But I'm saying you, were, you earned your way to be the quarterback at Alabama. You played with the best players. You played in the SEC, and you beat the best teams. And Mac Jones was excellent in college. Mac Jones was pretty good his first year. I don't know what's happened since then. There's always exceptions to the rule. I'm just saying, when we talk about the race for number two, and we said all year long, you got to be in the top two. You got to be in the top two. I'm just not sure that you have to be anymore, based on some of the performances by these guys. Is that that crazy? No, I don't think it's that crazy. I don't think it's that crazy, but I, I will say this having your pick of those players goes a long way. Like, you want to have a certain level of comfort when it comes to the guy that you're drafting, a certain, well, um, a, a certain degree of confidence. Like, I, I think. If you're in a situation in this particular draft where you have a top two pick, then you feel good about the two guys at the top, that being Caleb Williams, Drake May, and potentially Jaden with Jaden Daniels. Would you take if you had the second pick, CC? Where would you go with that? Drake May. So he's definitively better than the other two. Definitively, definitively. And why is that? I just think the way he can spin the ball, the arm talent, just the way that he can place it, the way that he sees the field. I think those things matter. His actual stature. Um, being a guy that has the prototypical size, that matters to me. Um, so, yeah, I would go Drake May. I've seen him do it a couple of years now. I trust what my eyes tell me. I think he's the second-best quarterback in this draft. And if you're Arizona now at, at four, right, if we assume that they were going to have quarterbacks taken one through three, I do wonder if Arizona sits there and they say, okay, we're going to take Marvin Harrison, mm-hmm. who's amazing, or do they say, you know what, let's see who's going to come up to try to get Penix because the receiver for Washington is great as well. I mean, what do we think about Arizona at four as we're heading into the final weekend of the season and draft positioning is going to be a story for us on Monday? I think Arizona's in a good spot because they have the fourth pick and the 17th pick right now by virtue of that trade they made with the Texas. Arizona's in the catbird seat. There's a lot of flexibility that they have with the draft. Now, them winning games to me, is a signal that this is a franchise that, 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 that could be okay with staying with Kyler Murray. And I think once you get past you know, those top three quarterbacks, it becomes a little more interesting. So what happens this weekend matters for Arizona in terms of whether or not they stay the course with Kyler Murray 
or whether they actually entertain going in a different direction at quarterback. Yeah, it's kind of the perfect storm for them. It's an amazing crop of quarterbacks. They seemingly want to hang on to their guy. And you had a season where so many quarterbacks went down. You're going to have so many teams that are desperate to jump up yep. into that spot. So I think that they're going to be in a very cush spot on draft day. And they've said, Jonathan Gannon, their head coach, has said, like, Kyler's our guy. He's our franchise quarterback. Whether we agree with it or not is a whole different story, and I don't know that I necessarily do. But I think, as CeCe and, and Smalls have just said, Made it clear, like Kyler is their guy, so they are not going to take, at least as of now, a quarterback with that fourth pick or third pick, whatever they end up with. All right, coming up, speaking of quarterbacks, how many quarterbacks could play their way into the Hall of Fame this postseason? We will get to that next. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100, 100 times, times your money. money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make PrizePix the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepix.com morning and use code morning for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepix.com morning, code morning for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance here on ESPN Radio, ESPNU, all of our great ESPN stations across the country, Sirius XM Channel 80, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, with you. All right, there are a lot of quarterbacks that have a lot on the line this postseason, as we know. Josh Allen, we just heard the sound coming in, obviously one of them. Let's do this. I'm going to give you a quarterback. We're going to play out the best-case scenario for them this postseason. We're going to play out they're going to win a Super Bowl. You guys tell me, does that solidify that person's spot in the Hall of Fame? Okay? Let's start with Josh Allen, who we just heard the highlights for. If Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills win the Super Bowl, does he cement his place in the Hall of Fame? Nah, Josh Allen got to do more for me. I mean, I get all of the division titles and all of that, but one Super Bowl championship does not a Hall of Fame career make in and of itself. This is a dude that don't have no MVPs on his resume. So I, I need to see more from Josh Allen before I'm willing to say he's a Hall of Famer. I think 
he's already on that track and getting a Super Bowl would be a big, big step forward for that. I think he's got the skill set. And if he continues on his tra- this trajectory, the numbers that he's going to compile are going to be Hall of Fame worthy. And I think getting a Super Bowl for Buffalo will certainly be a big, big thing in his favor. I think if he gets the Super Bowl, it shuts people like me who have been unbelievably critical of him up. It doesn't give him a spot in Canton. Dak Prescott, CeCe. Ah, again, I think he's in that same bucket as Josh Allen. I, I need to see more. I need more success. Uh, the individual accolades would help. The numbers, the winning seasons, the playoff appearances, all of that in its totality. I would, I would like to see an MVP, and we know that in the beginning of the month of December, Dak was firmly in that conversation. But back-to-back losses made that fall off. So I don't know. I, I him winning a Super Bowl would be great in terms of changing the perception and how he's viewed. Uh, by fan bases across the NFL, but I don't know that that vaults him to Hall of Fame candidacy just yet. I think for Dak, if they were to win a Super Bowl, it would, to me, matter the way in which they want it. Because you're right, he has put together MVP-type stretches. He hasn't yet won the award. But if the Dallas Cowboys, who haven't been able to break through to the championship round in 27 years, go on and they win the Super Bowl, and if Dak Prescott is the guy that carries... Dak Prescott. If he is the guy who carries the team on his shoulders to get there, I just I think about a group of people getting in the room and they're having to put together a case for someone's Hall of Fame candidacy. That just would go a long way for Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, to me, the same answer as Josh Allen. It shuts a lot of people up, but it doesn't guarantee the spot. Uh, is Lamar Jackson, CC, what is understood doesn't need to be said. I am taking your line for good reason here. If he wins the Super Bowl and has two MVPs, is that obvious? Uh, yeah, Lamar Jackson wins the Super Bowl in two MVPs, potentially two unanimous MVPs. He's absolutely a Hall of Famer, and I'll take it a step further. Even if he doesn't win the Super Bowl, the fact that he's got multiple MVPs, he's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame. You'd like for him to have the MVP, uh, like to have the Super Bowl with the MVPs, uh, because it would make you raise an eyebrow the fact that he does and he hasn't won a championship, but I think even if he doesn't win a title, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, this one's the easiest one on the list. Two MVPs in a Super Bowl. What's your argument against him? He's such a dynamic player. He elevates those around him, and he has those three things on his resume. How could you argue against Lamar in the Hall of Fame? Yep. Listen, there's only, there's only been one other unanimous MVP in the league, and that's Tom Brady. So, he, I mean, he was good. Uh, so, I'm just, good. so I'm just saying, if Lamar gets not one but two unanimous MVPs, like he's, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. I think, Smalls, you bring up an amazing point. I would love to actually hear someone's argument against if Lamar Jackson has two MVPs and a Super Bowl win, what would keep him out? Because I have no understanding of how you could keep him out in that spot. All right, next one. Matthew Stafford. Let's say the Rams win the Super Bowl this year. That would be a second one. In or out? Yeah, Matt Stafford's in. Multiple Super Bowls. You win multiple Super Bowls, you're going to be in the Hall of Fame. And here's the thing. Matt Stafford is going to put together – some big-time numbers, uh, I mean, in terms of where he ranks with the career and passing yards, passing touchdowns, all of those things by virtue of the situation that he found himself in with the D- Detroit Lions. Right now, he's 11th all-time in yards, and he's only going to be poised to climb up that list because he's less than 1,000 yards behind Eli Manning, who's in the top 10. So, yeah, Matt Stafford is going to be a Hall of Famer if he wins another Super Bowl. I think he will as well. He's got the numbers in Detroit. 
We have to remember where the Rams were, too, when Matthew Stafford came in. I know Jared Goff had taken them to a Super Bowl, but this was a franchise who had gone 15-65, and 65, tied for the worst five-year stretch of football in NFL history. They move. They go all in on the picks. They were in a very pressurized situation in a new location, and he's able to win the Super Bowl. Plus, I think he is one of those guys that absolutely elevates those around him. Like, look at the connection he's been able to develop with Puka Nakua this season. I, I think Puka Nakua's success as a young receiver has so much to do with Matthew Stafford and that veteran leadership. I think if he was able to win two, plus the numbers he had prior, he's absolutely in. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. I mean, he has had monster individual numbers, two Super Bowl wins, definitely. Last one, guys. If the Cleveland Browns win a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco as the starting quarterback, CeCe, is Joe Flacco a Hall of Famer? Yes. Joe Flacco is a Hall of Famer. Again, multiple Super Bowl titles. There have been 17 quarterbacks to win multiple Super Bowls, and 16 of them are in the Hall of Fame. The only one that's not is Jim Pluckett. I'll say this. I mean, Joe Flacco, in terms of what he would have to do, exercising those demons around the Cleveland Browns organization at the quarterback spot and being able to go on this magic carpet ride after coming off of his couch in November – Yes, he absolutely is a Hall of Famer. And we had Sal Palantonio on the show in the 8 o'clock hour. He brought up the fact that there's only one quarterback that has more road playoff wins than Joe Flacco, and that guy being Tom Brady. Well, guess what? Flacco, if he gets to the Super Bowl, will be tied with Tom Brady for the most road playoff wins. That, that is astounding. So, yes, Joe Flacco will absolutely be in the Hall of Fame if he wins a Super Bowl this year. I think he is as well. I know I've said yes to basically everybody, but I think Joe Flacco, if he can get off the couch, be the fourth quarterback this season to come in, and he's the one that elevates this team, and he takes the Cleveland Browns, the factory of sadness, the franchise that was so desperate for a franchise quarterback that they went out and got Deshaun Watson, gave him $230 million guaranteed, and put the reputation on the line. They were so desperate. And if he's the guy who can do it when he's retired, that says a lot to me about him. I mean, we've talked about how hard it is to win a Super Bowl, period, let alone win two. CeCe, what is the difficulty or the degree of difficulty if you're retired and you're not fully prepared to play and you're asked to to jump in at that point in the season? How hard would that be? Oh, Smalls, it's hard to just change teams in the middle of the season, let alone come off the couch. But the fact that he was ready to play, the fact that it only took one tune-up start before he went on this recent four-game win streak speaks volumes about his sports character. So, again, I think all of the things that you're looking for in terms of the competitive greatness, being at your best when your best is required, Joe Flacco has that in spades, and the two Super Bowl runs would have demonstrated that. I'd like to propose a rule that I feel like I'm going to get unanimous approval on, but here we go. (laughs) This would be the rule for the Hall of Fame in, in pro football. If you're a quarterback and you win two Super Bowls, you are automatically in the Hall of Fame. Jeff Hosteller has two Super Bowls. If you're a starting quarterback of two Super Bowl teams that win a Super Bowl, you're in the Hall of Fame. Pat, stop. Um, I mean, that's a good counter. But anyway, um, (laughs) the second rule is if you're a two-time MVP in this league, you're automatically in the Hall of Fame. Why do we have to make these rules, though? Because of Pat Costello. they're kind of already unwritten rules, though, aren't they? I mean, that's, that's why we have the committee of people to take all of the information and all of the context around the performances of the players and then, you know, say whether or not they should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, and I understand it. It's crazy that we should have to make these arguments because we do recognize how hard it is for starting quarterbacks to win Super Bowls, ask Aaron Rodgers and Dan Marino. But, I mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this situation and saying – 
if Joe Flacco does this, he's not going to be a passenger. It's going to be because he played really, really well at the most important part of the season. And I guess that's the part where I push back on Pat's argument against Flacco being a Hall of Famer. Coming up, how important is Sunday to the greatest coach who has ever coached this sport? We will find out next. It's on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. Dining in dollars, doing business and bot, wherever life takes you, the Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast. Wise is the easy way to connect all of your finances internationally. Buying that dream property in Portugal? Done. Freelancing in France? No problem. Sending money back to mom? Simple. All without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Minimum fees, maximum ease, full speed. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unsportsmanlike. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, ESPNU. We are presented by Progressive Insurance along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the beauty of working at ESPN. Okay, there's so many amazing perks that we have here, but content-wise... Topics just fall in our laps because of the amazing shows that we have on simultaneously and all over the platforms, right? So Greeny is on Get Up. He has Mike Reese, ESPN Patriots reporter, on. And Mike Reese dropped some knowledge about what's next potentially with uh, Robert Kraft, owner of the Patriots, and Bill Belichick, head coach, of course, of the Patriots. Now, we have not heard this sound. We're going to listen to it with you. I'm going to run through it one by one here, and we are going to react after all three cuts here. Let's start with this. On a Monday meeting between Kraft and Belichick coming up. He just needs to explain to them, okay, here's where things went wrong. Here's my part in that. And here's my vision for how we're going to turn this thing around. And, you know, Damien, who's on the set, has been in those team meetings with players when Belichick stands in front of that room and he says, look, if we hit these targets this week, we're going to win the game. And players often tell me, Greeny, they say, I don't understand. He's right all the time on that. To Mm -hmm. me, he basically needs to do the same thing with the crafts in terms of his job. Okay, the next thing is, would Belichick accept a general manager, let's say, above him in New England? Hard to know. You know, I think about it. He's got his two sons on the coaching staff. You just don't know how he feels about being here. If he wants to be here, I could see a scenario where they're talking in this meeting and Bill says, if we can agree on someone that, you know, can help me in that area, here are some of my shortcomings Bill Belichick would not surprise me if he did go along with that. Okay, interesting. The last one, and then uh, you guys will react. We'll all react to this. Does Belichick actually want to coach next year? I think decisively. I asked him at the start of this season. I said, you're 71. You're in here grinding. You could be doing anything else right now. Why do you do this? He said, this is what I do. And I think that sums it up perfectly. Mike Reese on Get Up, 8 a.m. Eastern ESPN, of course. Um, I want to pitch a potential solution to the problem after we discuss this. CeCe, your initial reaction to what Mike Reese had to say today on Get Up. Well, that there is actually the chance that Bill Belichick could be coming back to New England because I've just operated with the assumption with how bad it's been up there 
that he was going to be gone and that the Patriots were going to start fresh. But there's an actual chance that he can go into a meeting with Robert Kraft and say something that could save his job. That's the part that's surprising to me. Nobody's saying that he can't coach, but nobody can deny that he's had a hand, a large hand, in making things as bad as they've been. I mean, deciding to move on from Tom Brady when he did, deciding on who the quarterback to succeed Tom Brady would ultimately be, that being Mac Jones a year later, and then for that to come off the rails in the third season with what's happened and going back and forth between him and Bailey Zappi. This this has been awful. And, and Bill Belichick is the general manager and the head coach. So no matter who you want to point the finger or blame at, it ultimately ends up being pointed at him. The fact that he can actually go in and save his job after everything that Robert Kraft outlined before the season in terms of what their standard is in Foxborough is a shock to me. Out of the three of those sound bites that we just heard – him wanting to come back decisively does not surprise me. Mm-hmm. This is Bill Belichick, and he has the all-time wins record that he's chasing. I'm not surprised that he would want to come back. I'm not that surprised that Robert Kraft would give him an audience and that they would have a conversation because of the body of work and the respect factor that he, that is there. I know we all have assumed that it's a foregone conclusion, but I can see a world in which Robert Kraft wants to have that discussion because he is Bill Belichick. The part that shocks me is that he may in any way, shape, or form be willing to have a general manager come into the mix here. This is arguably the greatest head coach in the history of this game. He has been the architect, the engineer, the execution, the executor of an, an amazing dynasty. Two decades worth of great football. I just operate in a world where I can't see someone of that that elite caliber of coaching and of, of personnel being able to check his ego at the door and say, you're right. I've, I've lost my fastball here. I'm not great at this anymore. Maybe we bring somebody in to help me with what is a shortcoming. That to me would blow my mind that in this stage of his career, that Bill Belichick could have the self-awareness to say, maybe I need somebody to help me out here. Not because it's not true, but because we oftentimes don't see people with that level of power want to give any part of it away. Okay, so everything you guys said, I mean, how do you argue any of that, right? All of it is fair. Can I pitch a, a solution to maybe to this? Because you guys know all year long I have wanted him back in New England. I have, I have said, which I know you guys have both acknowledged, like he's still really good at coaching football. They just don't have a quarterback and an offense that, that really works. So what if he does this? What if he says to Robert Kraft in that meeting on Monday, you know what, you're right, I need help. I need more help than I've had. Macro is young. He's the one running the personnel. He's maybe not ready for this, and I haven't done a good enough job at picking these players. We need someone in here that any team in the league with the GM opening would consider to be their GM because they have a proven track record of being great. And what if he then says, I'd like it to be one of three people, Scott Pioli, John Robinson, or Thomas Dimitrov? Now, why those three? Those three all worked with Belichick and all were extremely successful with Belichick and also successful elsewhere. Dimitrov was a general manager of a Super Bowl team with the Falcons. John Robinson put together the Titans team that Mike Vrabel now coaches. And Scott Pioli did it with other teams, including the Kansas City Chiefs. So what if there is a happy medium of let's bring back someone that is clearly knows the system, knows the way we do things in New England, and speaking as Belichick, but is, is strong enough to report to the owner directly if need be or report to Jonathan Kraft, the president, if need be, but is still on that Belichick resume and that Belichick tree, but also somebody that could go toe-to-toe with him. How would, that, that be, how would that be any different than Bill Belichick being the personnel decision-maker? 
because he's had clear success with those guys. Whereas currently, he has not had the success in the in the last few years with, I think Matt Groh, was he your teammate at Virginia? I mean, he was at Virginia, right? No. No? Okay. No, no, no. Um, so I, I think it's it's like track record. That would be the difference. Now, if you're craft, that's whether or not you want to accept that, right? If you're going to say, okay, Bill, you're going to accept the GM, I'm picking the GM, and the GM doesn't come from our system. Maybe it's that. I don't know. But that's what I would pitch, right? I mean, because Belichick, everybody can be critical of all the guys that Belichick has put in place as head or has been assistants to head coaches. They have not been successful in the NFL. We know that. The executives have been pretty successful, right? I mean, I just brought three executives that have been pretty good. Nick Cesario has now turned out pretty good in Houston. Monty Osafort in Arizona picked a heck of a coach. I mean, we know that now, and Gannon's done a great job, I think, in getting the team to play hard. So, I don't know. That would be my pitch if I'm Belichick. But, but here's the issue that I have with that. That person that comes in needs to have the power that they deserve for the position that they hold. And I just don't know if they're part of the Belichick tree, if they have that pre-existing relationship, if they won't automatically defer to him or if his mm-hmm. voice won't be stronger than theirs when push comes to shove. Fair. So question on that. Cece, you would know better than we would. Regardless of who would be brought in as GM, it would. I would assume it has to be somebody that is strong enough in their position to actually be Bill Belichick's boss. Yeah. Does that person exist? Yeah, that's the part that will be hard if there's somebody that has a pre-existing relationship with him. But if you're bringing in a general manager and you're saying it's your show for the foreseeable future, and if Belichick is no longer a part of that, even after one year, then so be it. Then that's a different scenario that you're outlining. But the people that you brought up wouldn't move on from Bill Belichick a year after they got hired into the gig because of Bill Belichick, which is why I would be skeptical of making that kind of decision and going that kind of path. If I think it's possible, if I think it's on the board, that Bill Belichick and this team could could stay flat or even regress beyond what we've seen this year, then I think you have to part company right now. And to me, that's the right decision. Make the decision now. There are plenty of qualified head coaching candidates that are out there. Have a more traditional setup within your org with a general manager and a head coach reporting to him and go that way as opposed to trying to patch it together with Bill Belichick at the end of his career while he's chasing after the all-time wins record. To me, it just it delays the inevitable in terms of your program getting back on track to have sustained success. I, I also think about the legacy factor or the, the perceived shift in legacy. He's obviously he cemented who he is. But in the post-Tom Brady era, we've had some questions about how we divide up the success in New England. Yep. I just I think about if I'm in his shoes, even though I know the situation is bad and maybe I do need help, that's another log on the fire against me. Oh, he had to bring in help. He can't really get personnel. Maybe Tom Brady was the reason all these players wanted to come in and why it worked. I just... I can't imagine after doing this at that level for this long that he would invite in someone that essentially needs to be his boss. Well, but that's why I'm saying that the move for him is to try to hire his own boss, right? But again, I think what we're actually saying as a show, though, is that we do not believe that there is a single person out there that could actually be the general manager of the New England Patriots and really be Bill Belichick's boss, Mm -mm. whether it's from inside out or outside in. That but that that makes your decision that much easier than if right. if that I, I, if that's, that's not plausible yeah. if that's not plausible and you know that he struggles when it comes to personnel then the obvious decision for Robert Kraft is to move on from Belichick right because in this scenario if you're hiring him as another team we could envision let's use my hypothetical Eagles that I keep bringing up Howie Roseman could be his boss for the Eagles 
Because he was already there first. He couldn't be his boss with the Patriots. Right. Right? He couldn't, like, they couldn't go get Howie Roseman and say, okay, we want you to run, we're going to give you more money than any GM in the league, but you're also going to be responsible for one day firing Bill Belichick if the time is right to do that, and it's going to be in New England. I think that's where the, 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 the problem is potentially with this. But again, if I'm Kraft, I'm still giving him one more shot. I just need to hear the plan as to how that shot develops. I know you guys are not. And, and by the way, it's completely fair because I, I would have a major issue with both of you if you were to say, he's done, he should never be in the NFL again. You both said yesterday, put him on the Eagles next year, you're picking them to win the Super Bowl. So it's not a full-fledged crapping on Belichick day today. CC almost seems too excited that this is coming our way potentially Monday. I don't think well, it's going to. Well, it was a part of one of my bold predictions to start the season. So, I mean, I like to be right. Oh, really? I hadn't noticed that. <laughs> Coming up, uh, Canty's best bet, which he was not right about last night, plus the unsportsmanlike moment of the day. Next, unsportsmanlike ESPN Radio. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. How did it come? FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Unsportsmanlike. This is Unsportsmanlike with Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, and Michelle Smallman. Unsportsmanlike. We're going to kick things off with, of course, my Lakers on the money line over Evan's Heat. And then, of course, LeBron James under 28 and a half points. We've got the Milwaukee Bucks beating the Indiana Pacers on the money line. And then we've got Jalen Brunson. We're going to have Jalen Brunson over 24 and a half points. All right, two and two. <laughs> not not bad. Not great, though. By the way, not great. are we just at a point in the NBA where the Bucks and the Pacers play every night? Is there, are they I, I'm, in a I'm playoff sure the Bucks series? Don't, I'm, I'm sure the Bucks don't want it that uh, no, way. No, they do not. Because the Pacers are 4-1. 4-1 against they them. Own, they own the Bucks. It's so weird. They own the Bucks. So weird. Yet in the playoffs... You'd still pick the Bucks over the Pacers, but boy, you'd be nervous if you're the Milwaukee Bucks. In that I, spot. I, don't, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could. Wow. I don't know if I could. They can. They cannot defend the Pacers. They just can't. They got no answers for Tyrese Halliburton. Zero. I mean, Halliburton had another one of those games where he had thirty points, ten boards, and, and no turnovers. That's the. It's, that's it's the insane. trade-off. That's the trade-off. You go and you trade Drew Holiday in essence for Damian Lillard is what they did. You're going to get increase in offense and decrease in defense. And, and when you won a championship a couple of years ago, you won because of your defense. Yep. You were one of the best defensive teams in the league. Which makes me wonder. There's one guy out there that I, I think that people, as we get closer to the deadline in a month, that may start going after if he becomes available. Yeah. And my buddy Brad Carson in Memphis may not like this 92-9. I wonder if people start going after Marcus Smart. Mm. 
Mm. Like, what is he doing in Memphis? He's been banged up, but, like, couldn't you see Milwaukee or somebody, Miami, Philly, kind of going after him to be grimy for them in the postseason? Yeah. Just throwing that out there. CC, give yeah. us your best bets, ESPN bet tonight. I will tell you this. That Jaime Hawkins kid. I oh, mean, yeah. I know you've been talking about oh, yeah. him all, all season. Oh, yeah. That dude, that dude, <laughs> that dude's a problem. That dude's a problem. The Miami always finds those. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how Pat Riley does it. But anyway. All right. We're going to go back to the association. And even though the Bucks got embarrassed, I'm banking on them being able to have a bounce back performance on the road against the San Antonio Spurs. So I'm taking the Bucks, laying the seven and a half points. We're going Giannis under. 35 and a half points just because I think it'll be a light night's work, a blowout game. And then I'm taking the Nuggets on the money line on the road against the Golden State Warriors. So I'm going to run that back. Bucks laying seven and a half against the Spurs. Giannis under 35 and a half points. And the Denver Nuggets on the money line against the Golden State Warriors. That pays out at plus 399. So a little juice, a little juice, Smalls. ESPN juice. bet. Look at there Love for it. all of your betting needs. All right. Unsportsmanlike moments of the day. Something funny, something weird, something quirky. Uh, you saw the movie Karate Kid, I assume? I've never seen it. Okay. What? All right. Well, I, what Cece, are we doing? Cece, what would Smalls? you say is the most famous line from Karate Kid? Sweep the leg. Oh, okay. Sweep the leg. What would be next? What do you, what do you mean? What wax do, on, wax next? off. Wax, wax on, wax off. Sweep oh, the leg. Yeah. Wax on, wax off. Here's Greeny yesterday. He yanks out that first one. And I'm telling you. <laughs> Nothing has ever hurt like that in my life. It's astonishing. I was so raw. It was like a, it was like a, it did not feel at all like I thought. I thought, oh, they're going to yank the hair out. It's going to feel so nice and smooth. No, it's like a barren wasteland in there now. It's like a, it's like a, it's like sandpaper. It's way worse than it was before. Yep, ladies and way gentlemen. Way worse. You kind of dig Greeny up in there and you're like, the, oh, this uh, is nostrils wax is what happened here. Um, I have never done this. I feel like I should, my nostrils and my what? ears for that matter. Why, though? I don't understand why you want to subject yourself to that kind of pain. Manscaped I don't want the makes pain. A, Manscaped makes a tremendous nostril hair trimmer. All you got to do is kind of twirl that thing up in there, and all your nostril hair is gone. Why do you feel the need to wax it? You don't have to wax it. Uh, that's true. I guess I should Especially after well, hearing what Greeny just said. Beauty yeah. is pain. I can't understand how men are like, oh, the tweezers, tweezing my eyebrows hurts, waxing hurts. Yeah, get over it. Beauty is pain. It's actually not that bad. I have the barber cut the eyebrows. Is that wrong? The uh, barber cut well, has I a little trim. Do you have that, Cece? Does your barber? No. Do- See, because no. I, I have yes. such bushy yes. ar- eyebrows. My eyebrows have eyebrows, basically, and my sideburns have sideburns. Like, they're just no. so bushy up there that, yeah, okay, so I, I don't the know. O- the only person that trims my eyebrows is Anita in the makeup room. She trims my eyebrows. She oh, she's does. done that for me, too. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Done, yeah, yeah, she trims trim my it. hair. She, yeah, when they great. get out of wax, she'll take care of it, but my barber does not do that. Yeah, I've never done the ear wax the or the um, the nose, the nostril no, wax. No, but I don't think, I don't, Smalls, here's the other thing. I don't think men have to be that beautiful. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think we have to worry about that level of beauty where we need to get things waxed. I think the, the nose hair trimmer is perfectly fine. Manscaped, you're good, and you don't have to worry about it. I don't think you have to go to such lengths as to waxing your nostrils. That seems amazingly unfair that you would have to then trim your eyebrows, but we would not, Smalls. Right? Like, that seems like... I don't trim my eyebrows. No, I'm saying that, like, the, what CC is saying is it is so much more in this world acceptable for men to be schlubby yes, than women. Course. It's so it's actually un, I feel badly for women in Thank so many you, ways. Finally. But that is just like what he said is so right, but you couldn't be that way, but we could. It's not fair actually. Well, you, that's why we open doors, Evan. 
Well, speak for yourself. You guys could roll in here with no makeup on, haven't touched your hair, and no one would say a word about it. If I did, they'd be like, are you on your deathbed? What's going on? Why do you look so terrible? The amount of commentary I get on my appearance every single day, if I have a one strand of hair out of place, is ridiculous. Yes, women are held to a completely different and unfair beauty standard than men are, so I appreciate Greeny taking his grooming so seriously. Mm. I appreciate him wanting to come in and not have the nostril hairs or the ear hairs or whatever it is. I appreciate him wanting a I'm clean I'm now look. very self-conscious about Smalls looking at my nostril and ear hairs. I'm but you saying. know, but I guess I'm just saying this, Smalls. I don't need to wax my nostrils in order to get rid of the nostril hair. You have other so, alternatives. Ah, uh, yeah, that's, that's what that, that's yeah. all I'm saying. Like I, I like don't that. Have to I got do all that. So right. you're saying I could get the job done smarter, not harder. Right. Yes. yes. Like I think. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, you, yes. You're working smarter, not harder, right. because yeah, right. you're you're getting it done. It's just not the quick effect. But let me way. let me just put this out there, though, Smalls. Yes. For all of the women that are out there that listen to our show, for our co-host Michelle Smallman, I appreciate the pain that you all put yourselves through Thank to you. look as beautiful as you do. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I appreciate. Yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. All Just right. Um, Stephen A. does not appreciate traffic. He was at the Rose Bowl. Doesn't like the location of it. Courtesy of First Take on ESPN yesterday. So far, I mean, have you been there, doggy? I Let me tell you something. This is a spectacular stadium, and all I'm trying to say is it's, this: it's you got you got a hundred thousand people showing up, and we literally—I'm talking about you. Literally, you get off the highway, right? So traffic is backed oh, up for a mile, no. trying to get up the exit. Let me help you. Can you ask me a question? Please let me answer. We're going on the highway, right? The traffic is backed up, and then you know how you got to make a right, right? And then a quick left, right? And that makes traffic, but there's a light there. So that makes traffic. When well, you make the right, you, you got to stop in the light. And then you make a quick right, and then the light's right there. And then you make a quick left, and the right like this. And it's only one lane. There's 100,000 people. I mean, damn. And listen, at some point Stephen in time, follow, Stephen you, you, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult to get follow to the me. damn game. All right, wait, hold on, hold on. We got to chime in on this. You mean to tell me that the Rams didn't consider the fans at all? No, no, he's talking about the Rose Bowl. I know, but he's talking about about SoFi, the people that built the stadium. No, he's saying the game should be at SoFi. The Rose Bowl is the greatest stadium in the world, in my opinion. Have you been? Yes, multiple times. I've never been. It's unbelievable. He is right, though. It's like a one-lane weird thing when you're driving in there. I mean, you would think that Stephen A. would get a police escort at this point, don't you think? Like, what happened to that? Why is he not getting the police escort? Well, apparently he wants to be able to take the chopper to the Rose Bowl. I don't know how that's going to work. He should. Airspace, though. But, I mean, yeah, I, listen, it's inconvenient, but, I mean, it is what it is. They built the stadium a million years ago. So I, I understand how the traffic might be a little bit of a bear. It's okay. I love how he's, he's, Stephen A. wants the Rose Bowl moved the game to, to SoFi because of his traffic, which is just awesome. I agree with Kirk Herbstreit. National Championship College Football should be there every oh, single 100%. year. We are on to Friday. Greeny, coming up next, we're on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.